Okay, let's begin. Parsha's Vayera, Tavshin Ayin Zayin, as we have the Parsha of Nisyonos, as we will talk about it in a couple of minutes, what exactly uh, were the Nisyonos, but we have Parsha's Vayera, the Parsha of the Akedah, the Parsha of Biker Cholim, the Parsha of Stome. Again, all of these Parshas are jam-packed, it's just... Uh, what to focus on, what not to focus on. So we will do our best to touch a number of the issues that come up and a number of uh, unique thoughts that hopefully uh, we have not touched on in, in past years. So we start off with the beginning. Start off with the first Pasuk. Vayera elav Hashem be'elonei mamrei. Hashem appears to Avraham in elonei mamrei. V'hu yoshev pesach ha'oel kachom hayom. And he is sitting pesach ha'oel. Not for now, but we've discussed in the past. He appeared. What happened? Nothing happened. Pasagal, he appeared and didn't say anything to Avraham. He just appeared to Avraham. Doesn't say that there was any occurrence there. But the Pesachim continue. And all of a sudden, Avraham lifts up his eyes and sees, Three men were standing, and he sees again. The second time Vayar appears in the Pasuk, as Chazal pick up, the first Vayar is, and he saw. And the second Vayar is a seeing of understanding, a re'ia of Havana. He understood that they were in need. He ran to them from the doorway of his tent, even though he had just had surgery and he was sick. He bows down and welcomes them into his house. And as we know, this is the source, as Hashem will talk about on Shabbos as well, this is the source of Hachnas one of the first sources of, uh, if not the first source of the um, the mitzvah of Achazes Archim uh, is here Avram Avinu and Hakadosh Baruch Hu coming to visit Hakadosh uh, Baruch Hu doing the mitzvah of Biker Cholim and Avram Avinu doing the mitzvah obviously of Achazes Archim. So there is a question that we have dealt with in the past, but this year we'll see it through the eyes of the Lachos Benoam Hashem first source, and that is we know that Avram wasn't the only one in the parsha that performed the mitzvah of Achazes Archim. There was somebody a little bit later in the parsha that also performed the mitzvah. And there are even parallel Lashonos in the Psukim. If you look in source number one, Lot, his nephew, he taught him well. Avram and Lot both performed the mitzvah. Eitzel Avraham, third line, Nemar, Vayar, Vayar, Tlikrasam, Yishtach, Artsa. Avram ran to them and bowed down. Vayetzel Lot, Nemar, Vayar, Lot, Vayakam, Likrasam, Vayishtach, Opayim, Artsa. Very similar. Lot did it also. He ran to get the cattle to feed them. He also gave them fruit and drink. We know that right, Lot, Lot did all that he could to be able to uh, save the save the people uh, that came to visit him from the terrible things that the people of Stone wanted to do. So, asks... Reblevi Yitzchak Mibarditchev asked the other Mepharshim, why do we make such a big deal? And we say, Avram was amazing. Avram, his Achnas Hazarachim was, was unbelievable. And Lot, Chazal don't pick up on. And Lot, you know, okay, he did it. He learned a little bit from Avraham. But, you know, what exactly, why do we make such a big deal by Avraham and we don't focus, we don't learn anything from the Achnas Hazarachim of, of Lot? So explains Rebbe Levi the great Sanegar, the great defender of Klal Yisrael. Line number eight. They both did it. But there was a different level, and that different level is a difference in quality. And that's a message for all of us when we think about Hachnas' Orchim. Eitzelot Nomar, what does this Pasuk say by Lot? Sedoma. Two malachim, two angels came to stone. Right, beginning of Parakut test by Shlishi. malachim Sodoma sitting there. Lot also runs to them, but they're called malachim. Chazal already picked up on the fact that by Avraham they're called anashim, as we just said. There are angels in any case. Why were they called Malachim when it comes to Lot and Anashim when it comes to Avram? So Rashi quotes there in Pasuk Aleph, Rashi quotes, Well, if Hashem is with them, you're not going to call them Malachim. You'll call them a lower level Anashim. Or Davar Acher, Eitzel Avram, Shekocho Gadol, Vahayu Malachim, Tadir, and Etzlok, Anashim, Karam Anashim. Avram was there. They weren't so much greater than Avraham. 
So we'll call them Anashim. But regarding Lot Malachim. Okay. But Rebbe Yitzchak says, what about the Pshutel Shalapasik? Avraham thought they were Anashim. Lot thought they were Malachim. Angels, maybe not angels, just very chashiv individuals. Avram Avinu did Haknas Archim to simple people. Can't even say simple Jews. Simple people. The Hedyot, just the stranger on the street. You know who Lo was ready to do Haknas Archim for? The Chashuvim, the Yashirim. Oh, look, you know who I'm having in my house? You know who's coming to my house? That's a mitzvah. That's Haknas Archim. Says Rebbe Yitzchak. Bishvil Lasos Chasid Achnas Az Archim Lot did the mitzvah Hayetzarech She Yisrael the fun of Kamalachim, but he only did the mitzvah because he thought they were very chashuv individuals. Kigdolim v'chashuvim, great righteous people. Kedesha Yachnisam lebeiso regarding Avram Avinu Isha Chesed Nomar Vayarvin Eshlosha Anashim Anashim Pshutim Lo Malachim Chashav Osam La Aravim. He thought they were just a group of Arabs. Ubecholzos Vayarvayars Lekrasam. The Chachma of Hachnas's Orchim is not to give ourselves covet. Not to be able to say, you know who's coming to my house? Wow. No, it's to give them covet. Some, it's not a bad thing. If we could have Chashuvim, if there's a great Rav coming to a city, and I'm going to fight over having him at my, at my uh, Shabbos table, we should do that. But really, that's my covet. That's not their covet. The real message of Hachnas's Orchim is when we don't know who the person is. Why? Bazeh, line 16. And we have to think about this when it comes to all of our mitzvot. How much is our chesed really about the recipient? And how much is our chesed about the giver and about us? Our chesed has to be focused on the recipient and what they need. And the story is told about a number of great rabbis fill in the blank. Here it's told about Rabbi Levi Yisrael himself. I also heard it in the name of the Beis Halevi that it happened to him too. A similar story says the Rabbi Levi Yisrael. He comes to Lavav and he comes to one of the houses of the um, you know, hush of people of the city. And he went to ask him a place to basically sleep over. And remember, the time period before photography, and you have no idea what people look like. You've heard of, everybody's heard of Rebbe Levi Yitzchak, but you have no idea what he looks like. Like nowadays, we have no idea what Rebbe Levi Yitzchak looks like, or what he looks like. So we're no better off than the people who lived in his generation that never met him. How would you know? Oh, he has a long white beard. Great. Right? We have no idea. So he comes to town and he says, you know, can I have a place to stay? Uh -uh. The Ma'areach says, I'm sorry, I wish I had a place just a small, small room. I'm not going to be matter with you. I'm not going to bother you. And the Balabai says, I really wish I had a spot. I mamish have no, have no, have no place. But you know what? There's a, down the road, there's a Malami Tinoka. There's a Rebbe that, you know, he always finds room in his house. He knew this, this Adam Chashev knew that this Rebbe would never turn away, uh, another, uh, stranger. So he goes and he, and he's there and he's in the Skabel, Besever Panim Yafis. After a little while, as the story goes, everybody hears that Levi Yitzchak is in town and they go to the house of the Malami Tinokos and they're like, whoa, amazing, whoa! And the usher of the Mechubad comes and asks Mechila and begs Mechila, I didn't know, I wish, I can't believe. He's like, you're right, you can't believe. But how can I give you mechila, right? It's not that Reb Levi Yitzchak. That's not called as Hachnas says Reb Levi Yitzchak and Hachnas says Oreach are two different things, right? The mitzvah is to be mechabe the Oreach, to look who needs the invitations, to give, give really to focus on the receivers and not on these and not on the uh, on the givers as well. And that's what he writes on the end of the paragraph. Tzrichim on a little Every Jew, no matter who. Not just our friends, not just the people who we've had before. We have to make sure, obviously, that it's somebody who will not bring something spiritually negative to my house if I think that's, that's, uh, there is some type of danger. But Kimat, in all times, you know, 99% of the times, we have to make sure to do what we can to bring in our fellow Jews. And there's even a halacha, the Ramah quotes in Shulchan Arach. In source number two on the next page, the Ramah quotes in Shulchan Arach. There are certain times, based on the Mishnah, the end of Masech HaShabbos, certain Yisurei Drabanan that you're allowed to push aside Lutzarech Mitzvah. 
You could schlep things, you could do things. So Hachlasas Archim is Sarach Mitzvah. What's the definition of Hachlasas Archim? Says the Ramah, where it's underlined. Velo Mikri Archim, Elashenis Archu at Sloba Beso. People who happen to be in your house. You met them in Shul, you brought them home. They didn't have a place. Oshazimin Archim, Shenis Archu Eitzel Acherim. Aval Kishazimin Chavero Lusod at Slow, Lo Mikri Archim. The Enasudas Mitzvah Raksudas Rishus. People who you always have, okay, that's chesed, that's a nice thing to do, but the real mitzvah of Achnasas Archim are people that may need the invitation, so to speak, and it's really a mitzvah for them more than a covet for us. Okay, that gets us started. Mitzvah's chesed has to be focused on the receiver and not just on the, on the giver. Let's focus a little more about the difference between Abraham and Lot, and specifically, um, the order of what Abraham does. Let's go back to the beginning of the Parsha. Again, beginning of Ayera, Vayomar, Hashem, even though it's a Machlokas, whether this word should be Hashem or it's Adonai, my master, whether it's Lashon Chol or Lashon uh, Kodesh. Please don't pass by. Please, I, I, I'm in pain that I don't have guests, as we've spoken about in past years. Avram had more pain that guests weren't coming than he had pain from his surgery. And that's why Kodesh Baruch had to give him, had to give him guests. Please don't leave. Yukach naman ma'ayim, take a little water. V'rachatu raglechem, wash your feet. V'ishanu techaz ha'etz, relax, under the tree. V'chapas lechem, I'm going to get you some food. V'chapas lechem, v'sadu libchem, achar tavoru. So Rashi quotes the medrash that we all learn uh, when we are very young. Right? What, why does Avram make such a focus on washing their feet? Okay, just give them food. But if they're so nervous about washing their feet, they have dirt. This is the desert. This is the sand. They have dirt all over. Why dafka washing their feet? So Rashi says, Kisavur shehem arvim shemishtachavim laavak raglehem. He thought they were a type of Arabs that worshipped the dirt on their feet. Says the Medrash. Vehikbit shalolahachnes avodasadim lebeso. I spent my life breaking down idols. I became famous for breaking down my father's idol shop. I almost lost my life for that. I am not letting some dirt of Odazara into my house. So therefore, says the, says Rashi, Avramavinu made him wash their feet first. Lot wasn't as mockpit and therefore he brought him in and then they washed their feet afterwards. Okay, this is the uh, medrash about washing their feet, Avramavinu. Question. Yes, we understand that Avodah Zarah is something that is very hard for us to understand today. We know that. We can't imagine bowing down to statues, really believing that statues have power, or this, even the sun and the moon. It's hard for us to fathom that. And we know, the Gemara tells us in two places, that in the days of the second Beis HaMikdash, the Anshikadesa Gadola, whatever it means, killed the Yetzirah for Avodah Zarah. That's why we don't have a taiva for it. You read, we read Tanakh, it's hard for us to fathom. All the times that Bnei Yisrael fell into Avodah Zarah, again and again and again, but the Medrus, the Gemara says that that's why we can't fathom it. But even if we could try to fathom it, that somebody believes something has power, dirt on your toes, would that inspire anybody? Even if I had a taiva for Avodah Zarah, it's, it's hard to imagine that I would look between my toes at the dirt and start worshipping it and thinking that there was some type of special power to that dirt. That's very Far-fetched, Sheba far-fetched. Like, what is Rashi talking about? Maybe they, we, we all know this Rashi, we learned it in second grade. Maybe they're worshipping the, the dirt on their feet and therefore he has to wash, they have to wash their feet before they come in. What person in their right mind would worship the dirt on their feet? And this is the question of the Maharal. The question of the Gur-Aryeh. Source number three, says the great Maharal Miprag. Kasavar Shem Arviyim. Yesh Makshim. Eichayu Osim Elokus. Avak how, how is that possible? How is that possible? So, he starts off by saying, well, I'll bring you another similar problem, and then we'll get to the answer. He'll give two answers, actually. But he says, kasha. It's not so difficult, but I'll give you another question. Right, one of the Plishti cities, not far from here. 
Remember in, in, in Malachim Beis, one of the kings, when he was having Tsaris, instead of sending to the Navi, Elisha, he sent to, let's go with Zvuv, if, uh, you know, my son's gonna die from this. Zvuv. Zvuv, a fly? They worship flies, they thought flies had power. That's also pretty lowly. Dirt, flies. What is this, what does this, what does this mean? Umay mamish yish bezvuv min azvuv. So what exactly, how are we supposed to understand this? They were foolish. But let me explain, says the Maharal, what does it mean, the dirt on their feet? It doesn't mean that they were bowing down to the dirt on their feet. It doesn't mean that that's what they actually worshipped. But let's think of their worldview. And says the, the Maharal, in a very creative suggestion, the following idea. God is so infinite and so high, the Bali Avodah thought, even if they believed in Hashem, they also believed that He created powers, so to speak, beneath Him. Remember, that's how Avodah started. Rather, Ramam writes in Ilkhaz Avodah Originally, it wasn't Mamish rejecting Hashem. Originally, it was, you know, going, saying Hashem has helpers, maybe you worship His helpers, so then those uh, that could also be uh, a service of Him. But Hashem... It, they thought that Hashem is so holy. And therefore they chose to worship and serve lesser powers. And there is some spiritual power over everything in this world. Everything in this world has a power. Well, we know, Saro shall Esav, Saro shall, right, we have sometimes in Tanakh, Saro shall Amalek, we have different sarim, different um, administering angels over different lands, but they believed over every item, over every building, there was a sar. But the lower the item, the lower the administering angel that governs it, the spiritual power that is parallel to it in heaven. And therefore, suggests the Maharal, ingeniously, says the Maharal, man is the highest physical creature. So what they think they should connect to. Let's connect to what's right above us. What's right above us? The lowliest of the spiritual creatures. What's that? The administering item, angel, of the lowliest item in this world. And what's that? Dirt and flies. And that is why, it doesn't mean the dirt, it means the physical manifestation of the sar that they were worshipping. Says the Maharal, Ki, top of the next column, Right, the dirt is, is so lowly. Man who was, in, who was the highest in the physical world, the there's nobody higher than us. And they are, he is, man is under the lowest level of the spiritual worlds. That's why they did it. And so it's not just dirt, because that doesn't make sense. Even to us who don't understand about Azara. But they took the lowest level spiritual force, and that's what they were worshiping, and that's what it means, the Avak Sheberaglehem. Number one. Number two, the second idea the Maharal suggests, Va'od on line 15 is similar, but a different uh, focus. Says the Maharal, Va'od da, you should know, Kiarviim, what, what did these Arabs and many people do in those days? They were nomads, they traveled. They traveled in tents. Maybe the dirt is a reflection and a siman of what they were involved in all day. Dirt symbolizes traveling. The dirt may be represented the God who controlled the roads. That's the dirt. And that's what they worship because that's who they were under in his, in his control, so to speak. 
because dust, avak, it's interesting, the Mishnah in Perkeyavos has the same word. Mishnah tells us, when the Mishnah wants to describe that we should show sevitzamei as divrehem, if you remember in the first parak, havi misavak ba'afar raglehem. Favi show sevitzamei as divrehem. We should be misavak ba'afar with the dirt of their feet. Favi show sevitzamei as divrehem. There's a beautiful Medrash Shmuel. That's the Shidu Kubetzos on Perkeyavos. The Medrash Shmuel says, what's the double lashon? Misavak ba'afar raglehem. Favi show sevitzamei as divrehem. He suggests that maybe it's two, the two different types of rabbis. It's the rabbis that are the rabbi of your shul, and it's the scholars and residents, the ones that are traveling through. Shosef Bitsameh Devrehem, that's who that referring to? That's your own rabbi. The one in the shul, Bitsameh. Why does the, the Mishnah emphasize Bitsameh thirstily? Because sometimes people could think, though, I've heard everything from my rabbi. He said that last year. Bitsameh, act thirsty. You'll hear something new every time you go. What about the other phrase? That's the visiting rabbis. How do you know it's the visiting rabbis? Because they have avak. Misavak ba, because the students sat on the floor, ba avak It's the dust on their feet. That's always a great measure small to use when you introduce a ska in residence. That, uh, in the beginning of Perkayavos. But in any case, the Gurari says that maybe this is the second idea of what Rashi means. They weren't worshipping the dust on their feet, but really it was the power, the power above. Okay. Again, it's still difficult, but those are two ideas from the, from the Maharal. Moving right along. So let's take a moment to talk about, so the Biker Cholim is done, the Achnaz Archim is done, and then we have the story of Avraham Avinu, Avraham Avinu, and bargaining for Sodom. Remember, it's amazing, Avraham Avinu, first story in this parsha, he brings a couple of Arabs into his house. He even thinks they might be over the Avodah but that does not stop him from bringing them into his house and doing Achnaz Archim. He has such a, a deep-seated need to do Chesed, he does it. What's the next paragraph? He's bar, he's defending the lives of a city of Rishoyim. Hashem, don't kill them. It's unbelievable. Amura Chesed. Avram Avinu. Chesed knows no borders and no bounds. It could be at the end of the parsha, it went a drop too far. With Avimelech, that's one shot of the Rashbam, which we mentioned in past years. But says the Pasik here, when Avram is bargaining for, for stone, what happens? How many are in stone? Avram says to Hashem, Ha'aftis pet tzadikim rasha, Ulaiji chamishim tzadikim besochayir. Avram, he says, Okay, okay, fine. I, I won't do anything for 50. Maybe they're 45, maybe. Keeps going down. But one of the famous phrases here in this section, Vayan Avraham vayomar, Hineinaho alti l'daber l'adoni. I have just started to talk to my master, Va'anochi afar va'efer. I am dirt and I am ashes. Anochi afar va'efer. He continues, and Hashem keeps going down and going down until there weren't even that many many righteous people left in the city. But the phrase Anochi Afar Va'efer is one that needs to be focused on. Again, a number of years ago we mentioned the Beis Halevi about Afar Va'efer, but the Gemara Chulin already says there's something magical about this phrase of Afar Va'efer. Bischus Afar Va'efer, we were Zoche to the Afar of the Mesota, the Afar of the Paraduma. Great mitzvahs that come from from these uh, from these statements. Like last week we had a Michutvat Sruchnal, the Chut of Tfilin and and and, and Sruchnal, the the Tzitzes and the Tfilin. So the Gemara Darshins, much of what Avram does lays the groundwork for mitzvahs later on. But Rav Salvechik calls to our attention the first half of the pasuk also. It's not just Anochi Afra Va'efer. There's a message here by reading both halves of the Pasuk together. Says Rev Salvechik, Bayan part one. I have just begun to speak to my master, Va'anochi Afra Va'efer. And I am dust and, and ashes and nothing. What's the message? So a number of years ago, we spoke about his great grandfather, his namesake, the Beis Halevi of Afra Va'efer, as I just mentioned. This year we'll do his thoughts. Says Rav Salvechik, to be a truly humble person, we have to have two ingredients ingrained in us. It's not just Anochi Afra Va'efer, which we often uh, think about is what humility uh, is all about. But Afra Va'efer also requires Let's read his words. This phrase has become a foundation of our worldview. The halacha built the laws of modesty on the dichotomy of importance 
and worthlessness. We sometimes think that self-worth and, and um, self-confidence is the exact antithesis and the opposite of humility. To observe salvation, that's not correct. Right? To be a humble person, I don't have to think I'm a nothing and I can't accomplish anything in life. That's not humility. Because if that was true, then Moshe would have done nothing in his life. And Moshe was the Anav Mikaladam, as we know. If he only believed in Anochi Afra Va'efer, he wouldn't have been Moshe Rabbeinu. And Avraham wouldn't have been who he was. But they also had What does that mean? I recognize that I have such power, but it's all in front of you, God. It all comes from you. I recognize, like every Jew needs to recognize, their kochos, but all in front of you. Like Rav Yerucham once said, we quoted the Shabbat Shuvah, it's tragic when somebody doesn't recognize their faults, but it's even more tragic when they don't recognize their strengths, when they don't recognize the potential of what could be accomplished. Says Rev Salvechik, on the one hand, modesty derives from an I am aware that I have just begun to speak to Hashem. The consciousness of man's importance due to his perpetual standing in the presence of the infinite. We have to remember that we have so much, but it's Lifnei Hashem. We must never forget God's constant presence, and this knowledge will always give us worth and importance. Hashem cares about me. Remember the Chazal, Aaron HaKohen. Aaron HaKohen, how do you get people to do tshuva? Oh, shalom, bro, shalom. He used to go over to people and just befriend them. How are you? How's your day? How's it going? Oh, my, Aaron wants to be my friend? Oh my goodness, I, I better, I better shape up. I better do mitzvah. I better, I better be worth what I could be knowing that Avraham Avinu was my friend. Kodesh Baruch Hu is my friend. Kodesh Baruch Hu is with me directly. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid. And that is the first step of recognition, self-worth in the presence of Hashem. That is the harder point maybe of being a humble person. Humble does not mean I'm a nothing. Humble means I recognize my place. I don't take any credit for myself. That'll be the second half. When Judaism speaks of man's importance, it does not ground this importance only in man's intellect or his spirit. It's not that we have power independently. The human body is even more important than Judaism. Every organ is holy. Every member, as we know, at least I'll Kabbalah also, Every, every limb is connected to 248 sinews, 248 mitzvahs say, 365 other limbs, 365 losases, right? Our body is, is crucial. If God is willing to walk with a human being, then both body and soul are significant. In this sense, the laws of modesty are the antithesis of I am dust and ashes, the notion that the individual is worthless. So on the one hand, you think of this, it seems opposite, but it's not. We need self-worth in the presence of Hashem to be able to accomplish. But on the other hand, obviously as we know, Anochi Afra Va'efer. We have to recognize we're nothing without a Kaddish Baruch Hu. With nothing without what He does for us. Right? It's about not me personally, but what He gives me to use to accomplish. He quotes in the last, uh, the last couple of lines. We know very little about the lives of the greats of our history. How much do we know about the Ritva? How much do we know about what the Ritva's family was like? Okay, once in a while we'll see a tshuva where he'll talk about something. But what do we know about the Ritva's one of the greatest? A couple of Rishonim give away some of their personality in their writings. The Ravid and Rabbeinu Tam, a couple of them give away, but most of them don't. What do we know about Rabbi Kiva Eger? He's a little closer, we know a little more. Says Rav Rav Salvation, you know what we know? What they contributed to Klal Yisrael on the national level. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave them kochos and they used it. Right, that, the last paragraph. The individual sage's importance stems from the fact that his life was devoted to the eternity of the Jewish people as manifested in the oral law. What's important is his contribution to this eternity. His statements, his laws, his amendments, and his worldviews. His private life is not really of interest. Again, if we could be inspired by a story, that's fine. But, as Rav Salvechik used to tell many stories in, uh, in his shiurim, not many, but uh, n- numerous stories he used to tell. But, uh, says Rav Salvechik, that's how we have to understand this Pasik. There's a balance in life. Anochi Afra Va'efer. 
But we also have to realize, I am one with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and I have so much potential in front of him. Okay. Let's talk about a topic that we hardly ever talk about. And that is, that is Ta'amim, the Trup, as we call them. We know the Trup goes back, the Ta'amim, the, the ways that we, we lean goes back to Ezra. Goes back a very long way. Gemara and Nadar mentions it. Ezra Sofer, we're ready. And there are ways to understand Psukim based on based on using the Tamim. Rebekah of Kamenetsky always in his Svarim uses the Tamim. Esnacht is the biggest break, and you have others. But there's one Tam that's probably what we might call the funnest, the most fun Tam, the most fun trap to say. And we have one in our parsha, and we have one. Uh, in next week's parsha, Perak Yutes, Pasik Tezayin, and that of course is the Shalshelis. The Shalshelis that goes up three times, and we always get our kids excited, don't miss it, you better be there for the Shalshelis, because there's only four of them in all of the Torah. So that's what we get excited about. So the Shalshelis, if we look in this week's parsha, the Shalshelis is when Lot is having trouble leaving Sodom. Lot is having trouble. The Malachim say, Lot, we need to leave. We need to leave now. Take your wife and two daughters. If we don't leave now, right, there's a mandatory evacuation. Very fast. You can't ride this one out, Lot. Don't think you want to stay there to get great pictures. You're not going to last. You better get out quickly. Vayismama. Vayismama. Here it is. Vayismama. The Shalshelis. I'm not going to lane it. But Vayismama. Right? He tarries. He delays. He doesn't want to leave. And they say, Lot, sorry we have to do this to you, but Bishchus Avraham, we're leaving. They grab him. They grab his wife. Hashem alav. It wasn't a grab in anger. It was a grab in compassion. They took him out. They deposited him outside the city. And they said, don't look back. And she looked back. Okay, fine. Shalshelis. Says of Chaim Knievsky, there are four Shalshelaos in the Torah. Each one of them has the same idea. What is the message of a Shalshelis? And they say this B'Shem the Gra as well. Some of this, but I have it here in the Taima de Kra. Interesting that's the name of the Sefer, Taima de Kra, but it's also the Ta'amim here. The uh, Cesar of Chaim Kanievsky. The Shalshelis means exactly what it, how it is used here. What does Vayisbama mean? There's a delay. There's a, there's a lengthy activity. That's what a shalshalas is. Right? You're not going further to the next word. You go, you're not, not go, no. You stay here. It's the longest time. It takes the longest to say. That's the message of where the shalshalos are in the four places in Torah where it comes up. Where is it? Let's read it. Says the time of the Kra. Time of shalshalas va'od gimel pa'amim Torah. Va'yomar. Where is that? We'll get to that. That's next week's parsha. That's by Eliezer Evan Avraham. When he's davening, Hashem, help me. I don't know which girl I'm going to give for Yitzchak, please. Whichever girl comes to the water. <gasps> he's in the middle of talking. All of a sudden, Rivka comes to the well. Vayimain, when Yosef refuses to give in to Asia's Potiphar. And Vayishchat, when Moshe Rabbeinu shechs the carbon during the Yemei Amiluim, in order to sprinkle the blood on Aaron Cohen. So what do all these have in common? Says Rav Chaim Kenievsky, Ra'isi b'sefer echad shalsheles more laha'arachas ha'inyan. Shalsheles means stretching out what you are involved in. V'yalpize nire piresh et kulhu. And this can explain all of them. Vayisvama, that was the obvious one. Shisvamea Yosef Aroi. Lot, get out of here. Lot, you need to leave. He was delaying. He wasn't coming. He was overstaying his welcome in Sodom. Hashem schleps him out. That's Vayisvama, delaying, lengthy. Vayomar, next week's parsha. 
Eliezer Evan Avraham, Sheherich Bidvarav Harbe. He was davening length, in a lengthy way to Hashem. He didn't get to finish. Ubas Rivka, and Rivka comes to the well. Kamosha Kasaf, Terem Kilolodaber. Before he even finished talking. Vayimain. What is Vayimain? Yosef refused the advances of Asha's Potiphar. Mishum Shemiain Betokif Harbe. Shalohiv Sirbo Yoser. Vayimain. He was strong. He kept being, refusing and refusing and refusing. He couldn't. Vayimain. Vayishchot. That's a little, that's a little tougher one. Moshe Rabbeinu shechting the carbon shlamim to bring, to get the blood to, to make the koanim koanim to sprinkle on Aaron and his sons. Mishum sheherich b'shchitas hashlamim yoser mehaola v'hachatos. This shchita of the shlamim, Moshe Rabbeinu spent more time doing that than the shchita of the other animals. Kedei sheyetze har beidam. He needed the blood to put on the earlobes and to put on the uh, on the toes. So he needed more blood. So he had to do a, a more complete shechita. So vayishchat, he spent more time shechting. And that's the connection to all of the shalshalaos. Then he says, Even though by other kabbanas you do need it, that's only the interabbanan. But then he adds, which we might not know, there are three other shalshalaos in Tanakh. Three others. There's four in Torah, and there are two in Navi, one in Yeshayahu, one in Amos, and one in Ezra. And he, we're not going to go into it, but he goes through each one of them also to try to explain what exactly uh, is the shalshalas context uh, over there, and uh, feel free to look up those psukim, which he quotes. Just to say that there were seven shalshalos in Tanakh is already a great uh, comment that uh, Rav Chaim Kanievsky shares with us. Okay. Let's get back to some of the one of the major thoughts, though, and we'll spend the rest of the time on the Akedah and a little bit on the Haftorah. Akedah is Yitzchak. Some years we don't even get to the Akedah. Right? It was after these things, after what things, after the story with Avimelech. Hashem tested Avraham. We know for sure that the Akedah was one of the ten tests of Avram Avinu. It says that in the Torah. It does not say the word test by any other event in Avraham's life. But we know, according to Chazal, that Avram had ten tests. So the question is, what were the ten tests of Avram Avinu? The Akedah was one. What number was the Akedah? Without looking, we probably would all say ten. You know, Avram Avinu is about to get off the national scene. Right? If we think about the Parshios, Lech Lecha is an Avram Parsha. Vayera is an Avram Parsha. Chayisara is also an Avram Parsha. Right? The first half of the first part, he's burying his wife, and the rest of it, he's finding a, a, a wife for his son. And then, after that, he's finished. So, this is really Avram Avinu finishing. So, we probably would have put it last. And that's what the Pirkei Durbelazar does. Pirkei Durbelazar, one of the early Midrashim, and Rashi quotes the Pirkei Durbelazar on Pirkei Avos in source number six, the ten tests. It's a great activity, if anybody wants, this week at the Shabbos table, to ask, what were the ten tests? Most of them, people would probably come up with. It's just the events that Avraham Avinu went through. One or two of them have to be worked on. But we will see two versions of the ten tonight. So, what were the ten tests? Rashi quotes from the Pirkei Blazer, and if he, he quotes the Pirkei Blazer in short. The Pirkei Blazer expands on each one of them, adds in a lot of, of illustrative detail, so feel free to look. It's, uh, it's a, really a great, a great safer. Anyways, he quotes, I numbered them. They're all alluded to in one of the Yotzros. Number one, not such a famous one. Nimrod wanted to kill him. Avram goes into a cave for 13 years. One Nisayan. He, 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 he didn't give it up. He could have just come out and say, okay, I think the whole thing is crazy. I'll go back to worship idols. No. Number one. Number two, he found him. He threw him into the fiery furnace. That's number two. Number three, Higleo Mimolato, Lech Lecha, leave, right? Leave your homeland, leave what you're comfortable with. Where are you going? I'll let you know. Just start walking. 
Right? That's a pretty big test. Right? Lech Lecha. Four. Hevi HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ra'av B'yamav. He finally gets to the chose, the homeland where Hashem says, here, you're going to become great. And he gets there and there's a famine. There's a famine. The Pirkei Derbelezer expands on this. It was the first famine in the history of the world. There had never been a famine before. What's a famine? Hashem created the world and there's fruits and vegetables and food, whatever you need. All of a sudden, there is none. And guess what? It's only in Eretz Canaan. It's only in the spot that Hashem told him to go. If I would have stayed home, I would have had enough food. Right? But Dafka here. Test number four. Five. Nilkacha Sarah Lebeis Paro. Sarah is taken. His wife. Hashem told me to go. And now I have to leave because there's no food. And I ne- if I would have stayed, none of this would have happened. Right? It's all your fault, God. No. Chas v'shalom. Right? Sarah is taken. Ubao ha-malachi behiglu achiv. Next. The, the, we spoke about this last week. The four kings and the five kings. He goes and fights and is Moser Nefesh. Seven. Herelo bein habesarim. Number seven is an interesting test. The bris bein habesarim was one of the nisyonis. What was the nisayon? Hashem showed him all the tsaris that Klai Yisrael will ever have. That was the nisayon. Keep believing while you watch every churban and crusade and holocaust. Keep believing. Herelo bein habesarim. Shibut arba malchia sheyim shalubabanav. That's a tough one. To keep emuna, right? And as we know, this is just a parenthetical, we know the 10 tests that Avram passed put into play and put into our DNA the ability to pass 10 tests. So when we think of Rahman al-Latzvan throughout history, the ability of the Jews to keep going throughout every tragedy, it was because Avram passed number seven. That he kept his emuna even through knowing about all the tsars. Eight. Tzivola mulas Brismila, the end of last week's parsha. Nine, Amrlo Lagari Shishmalim Imo. To throw Yishmal out was a test, according to Pirkei Blazer. He loved Yishmal. We know that. He didn't want to send her out. Listen to your wife. Send Yishmal out. And number ten, of course, is Akedas Yitzchak. And that's it. And then Rashi. Rashi and Perkei Avos. Rashi continues, Bishchus, these ten tests, it was Keneged Asara Ma'amaros, Lulametcha Shebishchuso Oholam Omeid. The ten tests were parallel to the ten Ma'amaros that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in. And skip a couple of lines, right? It's Keneged, the ten Nisim, that, uh, the ten Makos that happened in Mitzrayim, and the Asara Sadibros. Every ten is connected to uh, the ten. It all goes back to the ten tests of Avram Avinu. Fine. But if you look in Rabbeinu Yonah, Rabbeinu Yonah, the great Rabbeinu Yonah, cousin of the Ramban, author of the Shari Tshuva, Rabbeinu Yonah has a different ten. Most of them are similar, but he has two or three that are different. And the problem, the real problem one, is going to be the last one on his list. Says the Rabbeinu Yonah. Let's go through them quickly because they're all similar. Number one, Ur Kastim, he skips number one. He doesn't count the cave. He just counts or costum thrown in the fiery furnace. Number one. Or costum she pilo nimro the kifshan aishvinitzal vizet ain't a mafurash batora umidira kabala. He points out that that's really the only one that's not in the Torah. Number one is not in the Torah. That's interesting. According to the other Pirish, number one and number two are not in the Torah. Number one not being in there might be because this is what, this is what started off the process. Interesting why it's not in the Torah. But there's a remez in the Torah. Number two is Lachlacha. Number three, Vahira of Baretz, right? Even though Hashem promised that you'll be great. Number four, Sara is taken by Paro. Number five, the, the kings, the five kings and the four kings, the war. Number six, Brismila. Number seven, he counts Sara taken by Avimelech. He counts that as a separate one. Sarah taken by Paro was earlier. Sarah taken by Avimelech. Oh, we're going through this again. Right? Seven. Eight. Throwing out Yishmael. Nine. Akedas Yitzchak. Akedas Yitzchak is number nine. That's number nine. Number ten. Having a difficult time with Marasamach Pela. Having a difficult time with the Chitim. Making it hard for him. They're having a bad deal. I'll give it to you for free. No, I'm not going to give it to you. Arba Meos, Kesef, a million dollars over La Socher. 
burying his wife. That is test number 10. And the obvious question is, we discussed this once before, that's harder than the Akedah? We would assume that all the tests go get harder and harder in, in uh, intensity. Avram proved himself by Akedah Yitzchak. What more did he have to do? He did Akedah Yitzchak and what, what's left? What's left? And just to add a little bit, my Rebbe of Rosenzweig once uh, pointed out, you, we would think that the Parsha would end off with the Akedah. Boom, high point. How does the Parsha end? Very, we might call it mundane. What happens? It's just, Avram goes back to being Avraham. After the whole Akedah. Avram, uh, the Malach calls him, Vayashav Avram al-Narav, Vayakum v'yelach yachta v'bersheva, Vayashav v'bersheva, Achar d'Rama'ela, it just goes back to family life. That's how Parshas Vayera ends. So to answer both of those questions, one could suggest possibly that, again, some of Farshim suggests this, the ultimate tests, the one-time radical events in our lives, when we kind of know it's a test, that, that takes unbelievable spiritual stamina. That's true. But ultimately, that's not what's going to lay the groundwork for what Hashem wants from our lives. Because the ultimate tests is the day in and day out, living as a Jew, and the headaches that we have, and the daily activities that we're involved in, and seeing the Yad Hashem in all of that, that's the ultimate test. Even to do Akedas Yitzchak, that's amazing. But then squabbling over the burial place, and you still, and knowing that you kind of indirectly caused the death of Sarah, kind of with the Akedah, and it's all, they're all connected. But one way to view this is that it's about being an Ever Hashem in life, in everyday life, right? That's also similar to what we mentioned in the past. The Yitzchak disappears after the Akedah. Where did he go? The Medrash says he went to right? where all people in, Bible, in Sefer Gracious disappear to when you can't find them, right? So the question is, though, he just did the Akedah's Yitzchak. What more did he have to learn? He went back to Yeshiva. He was ready to die Al-Kiddush Hashem. But now he has to go and learn how to live Al-Kiddush Hashem. Because it's the day in and day out activities. It's the squabbling with the Chitim. Right? It's the going back to normal life after the Akedah. That's the ultimate Nisayon. And that Avram Avinu also, also laid the foundation for us. As the Rabbeinu Yonah ends off. Okay, moving right along. Moving right along. Says the Medrash. Now we have, on the third day, more about the Akedah. Source number seven. Haven't focused on the Vilna Gon in a while. We mentioned this Shkroh a number of years ago in a different Parsha, so we're allowed to mention it again now. By Yom HaShlishi, on the third day, Avram lifts up his eyes and he sees the place. After three days of traveling, says the Medrash on our Pasik, by Yom Ashlishi Avram Ezeinav, in source number seven, Ksiv, there's a Pasik in Hoshea, the first of the Treosar, that says, Yechayenu mi Yomayim, by Yom Ashlishi, give me life from two days, by Yom Ashlishi Yikimenu v'nechyelofanav, and on the third day we'll live in front of you. What does that have to do with our Pasik? It says by Yom Ashlishi, and then you quote this Pasik from Hosea about two days and three days, suggest the Vilna Gon, suggest the Gra. The Gemara says in Masechus Chulin, Schar Mitzvah Baha'i Amaleka. We can't really get reward for any mitzvah in this world. We can't fathom the spiritual ecstasy that every mitzvah earns us. We can't. There's not enough pleasure in this world to even come close to the Schar of any mitzvah. Vahatam ki achareki a mitzvah he inyan ruchani eino olam umiluo kedai l'shalem afilus char mitzvahas. This is impossible. That's why it doesn't talk about it in the Torah because we can't understand it. You can't understand spiritual rewards. I wanted to talk about olam haba in the Torah because we can't understand it. It's like trying to explain uh, metaphysics to a dog. It's it's just impossible. So explain spirituality to us. Spiritual rewards. It's just not going to work. So that's why it's Charmitzvah Baha'i Amaleka. 
Aval says the grub. We can't get reward for the actual mitzvah. But all the abizrayu, all of the elements that go along with the mitzvah, the preparatory acts for the mitzvah, the alacrity that we do the mitzvah in, all the extra stuff that you could get in this world. So, when we talk about the Akedah, the first two days, he didn't do the Akedah yet. The first two days, that we could get reward for in Olamazeh. Because that was just the Zrizus, that was just the going to. Third day, that was the Akedah, that's a mitzvah, Kodesh Baruch Hu commanded him, Tzachar Mitzvah Hayamolekah. Says the Grah, maybe that's what's alluded to in the Pasuk in Hosea. Right, Yechayenu, give me life in this world, mi in the first two days, that we could get. Bayom HaShlishi, but the third day, that's when we'll be b'fanav, when we'll be in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's when we'll be able to to uh, enjoy that. That's the gra, maybe explaining the Medrash Pliya about the Pasuk in Hosea relating to our Pasuk. Okay. One final thought regarding the Akedah, and then hopefully we'll try to squeeze in one more thought on the on the Haftorah. What happens at the end of the story? Or let's ask the question first. Let's ask a question first from another story in Tanakh, and then we'll come back to, to this one. There is a story in Malachim Al of Perak Yud Gimel, where right after Yeravim ben Nevat, the first king of Malchai Yisrael, one of the people who might have lost their Olam Haba, right, he split in the times of Rechavim, the son of Shlomo, he built an alternate uh, place of service up north by Shomron, and he built a Mizbeach there. And he's about to offer sacrifices on the Mizbeach. Up north, not in the base of Megdash. Hashem said Zanavi Ido to go to Yeravam and to warn him. Amazing things happen. Yeravam tries to grab Ido. Yeravam's hand shrivels up. Amazing things. But Ido then leaves after giving him the Nevuah of what's going to happen. On the way out, there are a lot of Nevi'e Sheker around at the time. So Ido has specific instructions. Don't stop anywhere. Don't eat. Don't drink. Don't stop anywhere. So he leaves. And the, one of the Nevi'e Shekers says to Ido, he realizes he's, he's, he's the real thing. He tries to get him to stop by at his house. He says, come, come. He says, no, Hashem said I can't. He says, I'm a Navi. Hashem told me you can. It's okay. Hashem says, okay, you can come with me. Hashem told me. He gave me signs. He told me. I'm also a Navi. And Ido listened. He listened and there were tragic consequences to what happened to Ido when he left, which we won't get into right now. But in any case, that was a Navi Sheker. Hashem told him not to. The Navi Sheker said, no, don't worry about it. And Ido was punished for that. Let's now go and read the end of the Akedah story. What happened at the end of the Akedah story? Says, Avram Avinu lifts up the knife. Don't touch him. Don't touch your son. You don't have to do it. Ki atayadati, now I know, ki irei lokimata, v'lo chasachta es bincha es yichidcha mimeni. I know that, I know that you won't hold anything back from me. I know that it's all good, and you're okay. Asks the Ralbag, one of the great Rishonim on Navi, the Ralbag, right? This is the least famous itties. There's Maimonides, Nachmanides, and Gersonides, right? The Ralbag, right? That's the, uh, he only has a, he has a commentary on Chumash, he has a commentary on, uh, on uh, Navi, he says some radical things, but, uh, one of the Rishonim asked the Ralbag, how'd Avraham know he was telling the truth? How'd he know? Edo listened, and he was killed for it. And Avram listened, and he was supposed to listen. What's the difference? What's the difference between what Avram did and what Edo did? Well, first he asked another question, why wasn't this Navi Sheker punished? But then he quotes, after that, Another safek, on the third line, What's the difference? Explains the Ralbag. It's simple. Hashem's not going to change his mind after commanding a Navi to do something. 
He's not going to change his mind. If he tells you don't eat, then he's not going to say you can eat. There's no way of getting out of the words don't eat. So Edo should have known that he was a Navi Sheker. Hashem doesn't change his mind in giving a command to a Navi. What did he tell Avraham? Be ma'ale your son. Avram understood that as shecht my son. Now, the Malach Hashem says, don't shecht your son. Is that contradicting what was earlier? Or, explains the Rabag, Avram can re-understand what Hashem meant. Hashem never said to kill a son. Hashem said to be ma'ale the son, and therefore Hashem is not changing his mind. Hashem is clarifying. I wanted you to, so to speak, misunderstand me to see how far you would go. But I'm not changing my mind and that's why Avraham was okay in listening. Hashem Yisbarach lo shabi tzivu yaharishon avol bier lo sheritzono hayu ba'amro ba'aleo sham la'ola ba'avor ha'ola k'day sh'yizchanech yitzchak ba'avodas Hashem Yisbarach. But... It wasn't that he changed his mind because God does not change. Yes, the Ramam has all the different rules about if Hashem says something good is going to happen, it's for sure going to happen. If he says something bad is going to happen, then it might change with tshuva. But that's not specifically saying to a Navi to do something. That's different. If Hashem says to a Navi to do something, that, that can never change. And if it does, then he should have known that it was a Navi Sheker. Different than what happened with Avram Avinu. Okay, let's at least do the question on the Haftorah. And then maybe we'll leave some of the answers you have in front of you. An amazing thought from Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky on Navi, his Sefer. We have Rabbi Yaakov, they came out a couple of years ago with a Sefer on Navi from Malachim Bey's on. Not with the, not the Chelek Aleph. Chelek Bey's came out first. He asked a quest, simple question. What's the Haftorah about? The Haftorah is about, in Sefer Malachim Bey's, the story of Elisha, one of the great uh, miracles that Elisha did, right? She screamed at Elisha, Avdachishimei, right? And, and Chazal say this was Eshes Ovadia, the wife of Ovadia, that uh, her, her children were going to be k- taken by Achav, and the oil story, the oil, the oil doesn't stop pouring more and more and more and more, one of the great stories. Ask Rabbi Yaakov. Why, again, the question is a very strong question, more than anyone else in the history of Tanakh, Elisha performs more miracles. Throughout the beginning of Malachim Beis, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, Elisha, following on the heels of Elio Anavi, who himself, his Rebbe, Elio, Elisha's Rebbe Elio, miracle after miracle after miracle. What's the reason for all the miracles? What do we learn from all the miracles? N- not, they don't really fit in to teaching us, you know, that somebody lost the axe, so he throws the bottom, top of bottom of the axe on the water, and the top of the axe floats up to the top. It's an amazing, amazing miracle. What does that have to do for us? I say that was Yonah. Or all the miracles, the oil and the Trias Amesim, and the healing of Tsaras. Why so many? That's the question of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. He gives a couple of different, a couple of different answers. But the third one, which uh, relates to what Rabbi Yaakov, you can feel free to look at the first two um, in, uh, inside. But the third one he discusses is parallel to an idea that we mentioned elsewhere from Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. And that is, Hashem always has to level the playing field. If there are kochos of Kedusha in the world, Hashem has to give parallel kochos of Tumah in order to, so to speak, keep our Bechirah that's why Rabbi Yaakov explains why in the days of the Gemara there were Shadim. Maybe there aren't any Shadim anymore. You know why there were Shadim there? Then, because there were tremendous kochos of Kedusha. And there were Tanoim who could do Tchiesamesim. And there was unbelievable kochos. Because Baruch has to, so to speak, level the playing field. Says Rabbi Yaakov, at that time in history, there were so many Nevi'e Sheker, Nevi'e Abal, using powers to do miracles. Or at least it looked like miracles. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to speak, so to speak, level the playing field. He had to make it so obvious in order to try to convince them, but at least equal, in order that they could use their Bechir Rechavshis, in order to be able to give Kla Yisrael a chance, a fighting chance to believe 
And that's why Elisha and Elio did what they did. He discusses here, it's, it's, uh, just interesting, if you look in the footnote, the Chai Adam, the Chai Adam says against, uh, believing anything by miracles, but he says he was a very strong Misnagid, he was a Mechun of the Gra. He goes through here, all of the, uh, all of the, some of the family history, feel free to look at it. But either way, that's just an idea about the Haftorah, Elisha, and Eliyahu, why are they the most quote-unquote miraculous out of any of the personalities that we have? But again, let's remember some of the messages that we spoke about. The real test in life is not the extreme events, it's the day-to-day activities and the headaches that we have. That's what we learned from the 10th test of Rabbeinu Yonah. And Hachnas Archim, what really Hachnas Archim is about. And some of the other messages, Shalsheles and uh, Anava. What Rav Salvechik explained what another really was, and let's take this with us as we have the Parsha of the Akedah. Okay, we'll stop here.